Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bundesliga show brought to you by Over the Bar. Tuning in again this evening for another match week review of the Bundesliga, match week seven. Uh, we're going to get into it in just a moment's time. And uh, before we start shedding tears about it being the international break again, uh, <laughs> of course, well, I have to introduce and say hello to my fellow uh, co hosts this evening uh, tuning in. Uh, Mark and Peter, how are we both doing this fine evening? Yeah, not bad at all. Yeah, just enjoying the late summer here in Germany as well. I, I know that it's nice over where Peter is too, isn't it, in Karlsruhe? Oh, it is absolutely beautiful. We have a wonderful uh, weekend of football to discuss this week. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, it goes in the title that we decided to go with this week. Worldies everywhere, uh, you know, some serious uh, strikes and great bits of attacking football, uh, which we will lord over uh, in just a moment's time. Uh, evening, Danny. Hope you're doing well this evening. Thank you for checking in. Um, yeah, just before we do, a little bit of admin as per usual. So make sure you smash a thumbs up on the video, please. Again, as we always say, you wouldn't believe how much help it actually does if you just do that little click. Uh, and it pushes our videos out a little bit more. So always appreciate it. Uh, comment along. If you're watching right now live, let us know how your team's got on, if, on reflection, if they've done well, if they've done badly. And even if you've got questions for us, we welcome it all. Uh, and of course, press that red button, subscribe to the channel. Uh, we'll try and get some content out during the international break. But us lads also do need a rest every so often. Uh, but we'll be back uh, with the... Uh, well, they'll be back with the fantasy show and the prediction show uh, in due course, of course, um, after uh, the international break is over. But, chaps, we get to enjoy a little bit more Bundesliga uh, glory before we go into international mode. Um, so, of course, we're going to crack on with our featured four this evening. And in fourth place this week, the Friday night fixture didn't disappoint, as per usual. Hence the, the hashtag, always watch the Friday night fixture. Bunch um, and Gladbach hosting, uh, well, uh, struggling mind side. And um, I mean, we've had both of these sides in our featured for a lot so far this season. Um, for, you know, may, maybe Minds' point of view, not in a good sense. Uh, and Gladbach, because we've just been trying to figure out what on earth uh, they're doing as a club, uh, but it sure is entertaining. So they've made it in again. Um, you know, Gladbach got onto the front foot and were looking very strong uh, in this match early on and did get themselves ahead uh, through a flying Florian Neuhaus, uh, but were pegged back uh, by our first wonder strike of the weekend uh, by Gruder from a short free kick and absolutely wellies the, well, what are the bejesus out of it, whatever you want to say. Um, and it nestles uh, to make it 1-1. One, one. Uh, and Mark, it's nice actually to have a show where we can go back to being more positive about Minds because, yeah, they had to weather a few storms. But, I mean, just reflecting on the Gruder goal, but in particular, Minds' general play and that second goal was a lovely team goal to get them 2-1 up and almost... Uh, taking all the points. We'll get to the Scally goal as well in, in a mm -hmm. moment of time. But first of all, your reflections on minds and being able to put a bit more of a positive tint on it this week rather than the negativity that we've maybe been 
well eulogizing about them lately yeah i thought it was a really positive um performance from the falters yeah i was really impressed with the, the general play the fight that they showed you know and i felt they were very unlucky not to come away with three points in truth i think you know if they had a few more wins under the belt they would probably have seen that two one through but obviously a bit of a lack of confidence in the last 15 minutes led to a bit of an onslaught from the home side which obviously eventually ended in that screamer from scally equalizing the game but yeah, I felt there were some good performances. I mean, the young man Gruder, only 19 years old, he's, he's another man from the KSC Academy, Peter. Yeah, I mean, what, what do they have in the water there in Karlsruhe? Because there's so many players come through that academy. It's just a pity the team are not that good themselves, really. But yeah, he is another man from Karlsruhe, came through their academy, obviously got the goal, his first Bundesliga goal, and he couldn't quite believe it, really, could he? I don't think the fact that he'd scored, like, he put his head in his hands and, you know, it was quite a nice moment, the fact that he realised he'd scored such a screamer, you know, his first Bundesliga goal. He'll never forget that one, a beautiful moment. But, yeah, after that, I felt as though Mainz really grew into the game. I thought they played really well. They, they looked a bit more solid defensively, which has been a massive, massive issue this season. You know, Vandenberg was much better than he was last week against Leverkusen. I thought he had a solid game. You know, Sentner, who hasn't probably, you know, the club captain hasn't been the best this season, but he made some big saves in there at one all. You know, not world-class saves, but there were big saves that he needed to make and he managed to do that. And then, as you mentioned, that really, really nice goal, which was eventually finished by Barcock. I thought that was a fantastic uh, team goal, which we've not seen that much of from Mainz this season. You know, we've not seen those kind of moments. But, you know, Leandro Barrero was fantastic. He looked back to his best in this game, which was great to see a key, key player for the Null Fumfers. But, yeah, I mean... A jock, we didn't see that much of him really, despite obviously he's the talisman and despite the fact it was such a good performance, I felt from mine. So, you know, I thought we would have seen him a little bit more involved, but he's not quite hit the straps really this season. But I saw enough in there from the uh, Mines team to make me believe that, you know, they can stay up. And we were a little bit down for the last two weeks because things just didn't seem to be improving for them at all, did they? But this was a, a, a gritty performance with enough quality as well, particularly from the likes of Gruder and Barrero. And yeah, it was a performance that made me believe again that Mainz can retain the status in this league and overcome this horrible run of form under Bulls fence. And obviously the next game after the break is Bayern Munich at home, which is not a very nice fixture to come into, to be honest. But, you know, they, they might be able to catch Bayern Munich cold and, you know, they have a very good record in that fixture as well at home against Bayern Munich. They won the last three years, incredibly, at home against Bayern. So... Yeah. You know, it's, it's unlikely they'll make it four out of four, but judged on this performance, I think it is somewhat possible. Yeah, absolutely. Good to have some positivity around the O5ers. Um, and Peter, we'll come to you and, and maybe uh, allow you to talk a little bit about uh, Joe Scally's effort. Were you pleased as punch to see that? I, I admit, I thought it was deflected at first on first viewing because of the angle. Uh, the way it lifted over Zentner, but what, yeah, what a stride to earn, earn a well, again, valuable point for Gladbach. Uh, well, yes, yeah, so as, as somebody who <clears throat> keeps close tabs on Joe Scally for a, a, a well, not doing the deep scout Americans in the Bundesliga column this season, but uh, for three seasons, I uh, watched every minute of all of his matches and sat there and took copious notes. A lot of hard work went into that column. Had to watch a lot of. Had to watch Josh Sargent with uh, Svalbard Bremen. Had to watch Matthew Hoppe with Schalke. 
had to watch Timothy Tillman and Julian Green in every last beautiful Einigung Goethe Fürth match. That was, you know, <laughs> those are some things that are uh, that are tough to do. Um, but that is Scali's second Bundesliga goal. He scored uh, the the first one in round seven against Wolfsburg in the 21-22 uh, campaign. Uh, Runa actually had the my colleague at Bully News had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Scali uh, and and asking him about what it felt like to score that goal uh, and his his first because he had gotten off to you know we were really excited to see him uh, and then I think it was uh, was it Diaby who completely toasted him in his second game against Leverkusen so he got his welcome to the Bundesliga card but then he recovered uh, and but then he lost out. His his uh, his starting place to Stefan Leiner a little bit later that year. He was also he lost it last year as well uh, under both the Adi Huta and the uh, Daniel Fark regimes, and it looked to be the case that he had lost his uh, starting eleven place uh, now under his third uh, consecutive head coach in as many years. Um, but uh, he came on as a defensive substitution, scored that absolute uh, dream goal. The only thing that that left me a little bit disappointed afterwards is that I was watching the DAZN broadcast, and uh, Scali was unable to conduct his post-match interview in German. I very, very much wanted to call him up and say, you know, as as a huge Americans in the uh, in the Bundesliga uh, fan and columnist, if anyone needs some tutoring services, I'm I'm available, uh, you know, for for Americans in the top flight. Um, a good result for both sides. I think that uh, both of them can pick up momentum from this. Um, it's great to, as, as Mark alluded to, to have some positive things to say about Mainz. I would not discount them against Bayern at all uh, in, after the international break. As we know, uh, the Bayern stars are coming back from a somewhat impragmatically planned trip to the United States to play uh, two games and are going to be a little bit jet lagged. Um, I think that there's a lot of positives uh, that Mainz can take from this result. Actually, it was it was El Ghazi who who set up uh, yeah. the cock goal. Uh, so we should mention him, uh, the free agent signing. We're also Bundesliga fans are very very anxious to see Joshua Guidovogi back in action once Svensson uh, deems that he is fit. Uh, Dominic Core had to pass Dominic Hardcore, I should say, had to pass on the uh, uh, starting eleven because of uh, illness. Um, but uh, he can work in there alongside Barrero. And uh, Silvan Widmer should be back on his way from injury. Uh, so we have injuries clearing up. Uh, I like what I saw from Jay Sung Lee in this match. Um, Ajorke got the, the start um, uh, surprisingly and didn't do much. But uh, Svensson is a very, very good head coach. He's staying with, with Lee and Ajorke despite their form struggles. And... Um, with uh, with Gladbach, uh, you know, we, we talked about some positives uh, concerning them last week, uh, including the fact that Luca Netz suddenly looks like he's come to play <laughs> and can serve and as uh, as an advanced winger. That's that's great news for him. Um, uh, on a rat improving, uh, Alassane Playa, uh, another good game from him. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't realize until Mark said it last week how much Rocco Wrights and Florian Neuhaus look like one another. <laughs> but he had yeah. an excellent point. Uh, I, I had a little bit uh, difficulty uh, telling them apart. So, um, you know, the relegation race is really, really getting interesting now. 
Um, it really is with the Darmstadt result this weekend, uh, you know, with the fact that um, that Mainz should be able to start picking up points again soon, uh, with the fact that uh, Augsburg uh, might do a little bit better with a new head coach uh, after the international break. We'll see about that. Uh, the only side that really seems to be consistently bad is Kern. So we, we should have very, very interesting uh, relegation race based on and this result helps it out a lot, I think. Indeed. Well, we shall move on to our third uh, match of the countdown, and it is to Stuttgart. We go uh, with their 3-1 win over Wolfsburg, um, a comeback win after uh, Gerhardt had uh, applied the finish to put Wolfsburg 1-0 up, um, probably deservedly so in that first half, uh, but then uh, a gentleman, uh, the Girassi show will roll on until well hopefully until the rest of the season well beyond with his second hat trick uh of the season his 13th in seven a new bundesliga record um running out of words to describe the way that girassi is playing right now the cool the calmness that he applies his finishing now is is scary um, and he's, you know, really thrusting Stuttgart into positions that I would not have my wildest dreams expected to see them this season. Uh, And it is truly enjoyable from a biased point of view to witness and see um, I as a, you know, a Stuttgart sympathiser and fan, even when seeing Wolfsburg going 1-0 up at, you know, away at our place, I was still quite confident, however long there was left, that we would comfortably come back and win, which is a very strange mindset for me to have in recent times. Um, So I'll go to you, Peter, first. Uh, Thoughts on the match uh, in general uh, and, you know, how, I mean, we don't want to start going too crazy but how you know how far this Stuttgart run and can you know maybe go this season well first um when we were discussing Harry Kane's hat trick a couple of weeks ago people were asking uh whether or not this qualified as a hat trick under German terms it does uh but what happened um with uh, Grossi is he scored three uninterrupted goals in the same half which is what Germans call a Lupenreiter hat trick, uh, other, uh, which you could translate as a flawless hat trick, kind of like a uh, flawless victory in Mortal Kombat or something. The, the Grossi is, is <laughs> exerting fatalities. Um, amazing calmness and composure on the ball in those two finishes. I mean, incredible how the, the touches that he employed before finishing off those chances uh, was surreal. Uh, another little German vocab lesson. Uh, vo- the, those are called Zucker uh, uh, or sugar goals, because they are just that nectarous and they are that sweet. I wanted to point out that um, in, in response to the question of how uh, far Stuttgart can go this season, uh, that Sebastian Hörnes has turned in two tactical masterclasses uh, in a row. Uh, as a matter of fact, what he did in this one is that in the 61st minute, uh, he took off Pascal Stenzel, who was actually having a very, very difficult time 
uh, on the Stuttgart right uh, and Leveling and brought on uh, Undav, who scored a brace last week, and Silas, uh, who ended up assisting, uh, I think, the, the third goal. Third goal, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so he, he basically he reformatted into a 3-4-1-2. And uh, Undav was actually tearing up and drawing lane coverage uh, on, uh, <clears throat> on those, those two late goals. So this was a tactical masterclass from Hernes. Uh, we'll get to some other ones in, in some of the subsequent matches that we're going to discuss. This was an absolute tactician's delight weekend. And so Hernes is making all of the right moves. I have no idea why he couldn't do so at Hoffenheim, but uh, he has absolutely, just as he did last week in bringing on Undav and, and reformatting to a two-striker set, he did the same thing this week, and it produced amazing results. So he has the Midas touch, uh, Sebastian Hernes does. I don't know if Uncle Uli uh, has pumped him full of magic bratwurst or what's going on, but uh, uh, this is—he's uh, been absolutely amazing. Um, so I've talked a lot about uh, Stuttgart there. Um, Mark, perhaps want to talk about Stuttgart some more, um, or, or Wolfsburg. I, I, oh, I should also mention German national team nominated Chris Führig. Yes. Yes. What? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow. Incredible, incredible. Yeah, yeah I wanted to mention him actually because you know I've been a long-time critic. I think regular watchers of this show know that I've been a long-term critic of Chris Furick. But I mean, if if you know, uh, Hernes has been Uncle Uli has pumped uh, his uh, nephew full of uh, magic bravos, and what has he pumped uh, Chris Furick full of? I really don't know because <laughs> he has been unbelievable this season, really. He looks like uh, Messi reinforced, you know what I mean? Literally, he's so good. Like, like this performance was superb, I felt, really. And it's not just this week, it's been the last four or five weeks, to be honest. He's been so good this season. And, you know, he deserves the call-up, in my opinion, based on his performance this season. I think me and Peter were talking about, like, last time we met in, in Sinsheim, we were talking about, like, what can Germany do to get back on track? You know, they've got to start looking at some of these more obscure players, the likes of Anton Stach, uh, Grisha Promo, who also had a really good game, which we'll talk about later. But, I mean, it turns out that Chris Furyk has outdone them all and got himself the call-up, which is just incredible, really. But, I mean, it you know, it's testament to what Stuttgart are doing. They've just been superb. I actually didn't think they were that good in the first half. I thought they were really struggling, yeah. to be honest. I really did. I thought uh, Wolfsburg were far superior, you know, a very capable side in their own right. But they just ran into a Stuttgart team who just can't do anything wrong at the moment. And, you know, Wolfsburg played well. Gerhardt with his first goal since March, I thought it was a nice finish. And they deserved the lead at that point when they took the lead after about 37, 38 minutes. That was a deserved lead for the away side. I thought Thiago Tomas deserves a mention too against his former club. Like, how many shots did he have? But he just could not beat Nubel uh, in the... Stuttgart goal at all. He must have had three or four shots on target in the game and he just couldn't beat him, you know, against his former club. Well, actually, last when I was at Stuttgart in February, March time, he scored one of the goals, actually, for Stuttgart, ironically. Yeah. So, you know, he obviously got a rare start. I don't think he's been playing that much under Nicole Kovacs this season, but obviously I think Kovacs realised he wanted to play against his former club. 
But again, I think the issue with Wolfsburg is how many players do they have? Seriously, like they must have one of the biggest rosters in the league, really. Like their bench is just stacked with quality, but it's still that same old problem. Does Nicole Kovac know his best 11? I'm still not 100% sure. It's been better this season, but the results still, you know, there's still too many defeats in there. You know, this is the third defeat in seven games, which is, you know, they shouldn't be losing that many, really. But I think Wolfsburg have got potential, but they need to find, a, in my opinion, like a more settled 11. They're not in Europe this season, so there's no excuse really for all this rotation and things. And, you know, but I, there is potential in there for Wolfsburg. I thought, you know, Lacroix looks back to close to his best. Arnold is, for me, a really good player. I don't know why he never gets around the German national team, to be honest. Maxi Arnold, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. He seems to have been overlooked for some years, really. Peter, do you know why he's always been overlooked for Germany? Because he's always a good player to me. Uh, I've written many, many articles on Maxi Arnold um, uh, commenting on that situation uh, specifically. And it's because there's so many German midfielders. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's just that there's, it's so, there were so deep at that position. Um, he, uh, he, I was actually rather disappointed uh, not to see him get a call up uh, this spring under under Flick. I thought he he really much uh, very much deserved a chance. Actually, so on the topic of German internationals who are struggling a little bit for Wolfsburg, uh, Riedler Baku was one of the mm. ones who uh, gave away uh, the ball, as did Seziger, mm. uh, the other center half there. Yeah. Riedle Baku is a is a is a uh, a player that many of us Germans really really wanted to succeed. A, a Mainz native, uh, he's named after Karl Heinz Riedle. Uh, <laughs> wow. Well, his real name is Bote Baku, but his his father called him Riedle after Karl Heinz Riedle. So uh, yeah, it's a shame to see to see him struggling there as well. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, in German footballing circles, there's not going to be too many tiers for Wolfsburg. After all, it is it is the company team. We'd much much rather see a, a traditional team like uh, Stuttgart uh, turn around here. But as you as you pointed out, I mean, they were they were the vastly superior side until we got that tactical change from Hernes, who uh, had just has the absolute uh, the the golden hand, the goldenes Henschen, as, as Germans call it. He is doing everything right. Absolutely right. Yeah, it's lovely to see. A couple of comments in from Travis, uh, of course, friend of the show. uh, We had him on uh, to predict how how Stuttgart season might go, uh, uh, how how we might reflect on that preseason. Travis, (laughs) can I say that uh, I absolutely love that show that Travis was on, and uh, the fact that he had a a little Fitzler. The, the Stuttgart alligator mascot in the back of him. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So to answer Travis's question, no, I've not read all of the books behind me. Um, but uh, you know what? You had a cooler backdrop because you had Fritzler. Uh, <laughs> it was an epic background in fairness. Um, and well, Travis has asked about Undab as well. You know, how well can he play in the Bundesliga? It's just refreshing from a Stuttgart point of view to have those options on the bench currently. And Undav, you know, may well rightly come into the starting eleven at some point um, in time. But having Undav and Silas to come on and change a game for you in that manner is is something that I don't think Stuttgart have been able to do in obviously in recent seasons at all. Um, and that, well, there's an over-reliance on Girassi from a goals point of view, but Undav, Silas, Furik are now capable of doing that at present so it's it's super refreshing to see and very very enjoyable alas we won't turn it into the vfb show just yet um there's always time for that 
Uh, we shall move on on to our second game of the featured four uh, this evening, and it was an incredibly entertaining uh, late show uh, in the Saturday late game as Bremen were denied a point late on as Hoffenheim struck uh, to make it 3-2 uh, and a first real large impact uh, by uh, Maris Wulta, uh, who we've seen in different guises in this Hoffenheim side, uh, the way that he's been utilised and then, you know, kind of subsequently been uh, been playing off the bench. Um, but uh, Mark, come straight to you on this. Again, we can kind of talk about Bremen in a more positive sense. Uh, you know, we'll get to Hoffenheim and how well things are going for Pellegrino Matarazzo. Um, but, you know, Bremen again, improvements from the last few weeks, but uh, they're just not able at the moment to get those points. Obviously, we've seen the news recently about Nabi Keita's injury, which just, you know, super disappointing for everyone involved. Unfortunately, said troubles were probably well easily predicted um, when the transfer went through. But anyway, um, you know, Bremen showed a bit of character, a couple of big goals um, from Schmidt and Steger, but ultimately came up short and, uh, you know, haven't been able to get the three points on this occasion. What were your thoughts on on Bremen showing before we get onto the away side? Yeah, I thought going for like we've seen for me this this match kind of summed up both teams' seasons so far because I feel as though Bremen going forward they've got quality they have got goals in the team Mitchell Weiser you know he's really found his form again and I thought he played a superb pre-assist for the um, the, the uh, Schmidt goal which was the first equaliser in the end that was a really nice goal from them the nice play from Weiser playing it into Dutch who squared it for Schmidt who got the deflected goal. But I, I just feel as though, um, like laughing at Samuel's comment as well. There, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, sorry guys about that one. But, <laughs> but yeah, it, Hugo Larson coming. What do you? Come on now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, my boys hiding them. I've been so impressed with them. But where were they this week? You know, you cost me, guys. I tipped you as my big uh, shot this weekend, and you just didn't turn up, lads. You know, so yeah, I won't be backing you again next time. But yeah, anyway, back back to Bremen. Yeah, so I think Visor was superb in the game. Really, that that pre-assist was great. Ducks, you know, he's not really back to his goal-scoring form, but he, he did some quality touches in this match. You know, Schmid is always a danger from that attacking midfield position. I think one of the issues for for Bremen is, in some ways, I would say they're too attacking. Actually, in some ways, like, there's no press at all. It's so easy to play through them. It's almost frightening, really. Like you saw it with that first goal. Like as good a player as Grisha Permal is, and he really is a good player. Like he's been one of my stars of the season this season, actually, so far. But I mean, the time he was given to play that ball through was just downright ridiculous, really. Like, and it it was too easy for that first buyer goal. And you know, again for the second goal, no press when Permal smashed that really sweet strike past Pavlenka. But I think this is the problem with Bremen that they may be a little bit too attacking, which is great to watch. It's really fun to watch. But I mean, they're conceding so many goals. And if you look, a lot of the goals they concede are from like breakaways from the opposition. They lose the ball deep in their own half. Then it just takes two or three passes to completely pick them apart. And you know, I think the young man Lean N, uh, I think that's how you say his name. Yeah, he was brought in to be their kind of like defensive mid, you know, like ball winner. But he's he's been in and out of form so far. You know, I think he played well in a couple of games, but he's not really had the desired effect in that Bremen team so far. And 
you know, they're a fun team to watch, Bremen. You know, you, you've got to watch all their matches because there's always at least five, six goals in all of them. But the problem is most of them are in the back of the Bremen net. That's the issue for them at the moment. And they're going to be a team that score goals. They've got goals from all over the pitch, but they've got to sort out this midfield from a defensive perspective. They can't, they've got to improve the press. They've got to close down better. And I don't know, they've got to, maybe they will have to drop one of those strikers back and put an extra midfielder in there because the teams are finding it too easy to play through them. That's the problem for Bremen at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Some good, good thoughts there, Mark. Um, Peter, what about a Hoffenheim perspective? Uh, as mentioned, uh, things are really starting to look rosy in the Pellegrino Matarazzo Garden. Um, you know, finding results, comeback wins, showing some real, you know, um, beef up front. Bayer really impressive. Promel settling in perfectly. Um, and you know what? What a timely, um, you know, thing that one of their other new signings, Bubza. Uh, uh, was able to get, you know, what would be a hugely confidence-boosting goal. And, you know, them being able to rely on on him even more so will be, you know, just an extra string to their bow. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, I think when we were talking about Hoffenheim earlier in the season, we were talking about the uh, lack of balance in the squad and the fact that uh, the likes of Buta and uh, also Bebu were playing uh, as wingbacks, even though they are natural strikers. Far too many strikers in the squad, far too many central defenders in the squad. Uh, but um, <clears throat> what Matarazzo has done uh, in sort of a 3-3-2-2, I, I like to call such formations, particularly the wide ones, where you have the wing backs out there and you have a solo six working in midfield, is that he's found the right mix. Uh, Grilich has slowly found his Bundesliga legs again. Uh, my hero, John Anthony Brooks, has long since found his Bundesliga legs. Uh, as Mark mentioned, Grisha Prümmel is sort of a uh, cult footballing hero in German footballing circles, uh, or at least he was until he decided to uh, to go back uh, from Union Berlin to uh, uh, Hoffenheim after talking up his, you know, how important Union was uh, to him. Uh, Maximilian Bayer, the young, he was not called up to the German national team this time. He's still with the U21s, and he seems to be satisfied with that. Five league goals this season. Um, you know, interestingly enough, particularly in the first half, it, it seemed to me that Veghorst's job, uh, Bayer's striking partner, Veghorst's job was to drop back and hold the ball up and feed Bayer, um, which actually you saw a lot of that from Harry Kane in the in the Bayern match as well. Kind of a, a German thing that uh, of German coaches, and, and we can call Pellegrino Matarazzo a German coach at this point. He's a, a, a speaks excellent German and uh, has has really worked in this country in the Bundesrepublik for a long time. They're all about having uh, big burly lead strikers work back, work deep drops, and affect setup play. So I think that uh, <clears throat> Matarazzo has has done well in that respect. Very very unfortunate injury problems for Bremen in this match. Olivier Deman was not available. Uh, Nikola Stark was not available. Uh, there was a back three of Milos Veljkovic, uh, Nikolai Rapp, and, <laughs> and Marco Friedel, which tends to spell... Uh, I didn't really necessarily have confidence in that from the start. Uh, I did cover uh, Friedel's post-match interview in which he's he called his teammates stupid. Uh, I think he was referring to himself as well uh, for the, the late conceded goal. Emotions were running high. He was he was very, very disappointed that after they scored that late equalizer, um, they conceded uh, yet again. 
Uh, and yeah, so uh, Njinma, I think, had a, a goal very, very narrowly disallowed for offside. It yeah. was a good fight back for, from Bremen in the second half. They really put on an entertaining show and you, and you felt for them uh, because they seemed a little bit snake bit on this particular day. Uh, you mentioned the Nabi Keita injury. Uh, it has been confirmed by uh, Oliveira that they were planning to take him off in the 60th minute to give him a reduced shift, and he pulled a thigh muscle in the 59th. <laughs> so one minute before, I mean, yeah, it's just just horrible, 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 uh, uh, hard luck uh, yeah. for Nabi Keita. Uh, and Bremen's still a good team. We still have not seen the best from them. Uh, I'm still a massive Rafael Santos Bore fan. I'm sure he'll find his legs. I really like Damon. I think Leinen has potential. Mm -hmm. Oliver is not going to be the kind of coach who's going to change his tactics. He's going to stay with that 3-5-2 double stack throughout the season, just like uh, Bo Svensson, just like Wes Fischer. And uh, eventually he'll get some results out of it. Uh, so it, the, a lot of entertaining matches with the Hanse Art, and I, I highly recommend tuning into them in, in any event. Absolutely. Um, just come to a question before we move on to our featured um, game of, of the weekend, the top one in from Travis. Um, love the show, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Too kind, Peter. A preschool, <laughs> a preschool daycare background. Absolutely not. We we absolutely love your background, Travis. It was fantastic. Um Last question. The top three look set. Um, when you say that, Travis, and trying to, do you actually mean Stuttgart set in the top three? Anyway, before we come to that, uh, will uh, who will get fourth spot? Um, B, will BVB get fourth or RBL? BVB look blah. Um, so we'll take the uh, comment off there so we can see all of Peter's head. Um, Interesting question in regards to who who will maybe make up the top four right now. Um, you know, at that stage of the season, we like to kind of do these little, or oh, where do we think teams might come? Of course, we're always reacting to the last set of fixtures. Um, so, chaps, you know, we'll put ourselves on the spot. Why not? Just for a bit of fun. If we had to select our top four, that will, you know, uh, present after 34 and fixtures at the end of the season as things stand right now from what we've seen after seven fixtures who are we back in to make up that top four um you know obviously we can throw in Bayern and Leverkusen as as dead certs I think so what what are we thinking about places three and four um I'll, I'll hand over to you two I don't really want to say um, just yet. So, Mark, what, what are your thoughts? Third and fourth place right now, from what from what you've seen, um, yeah. who, who is the most convincing? Yeah, I still think you've got to put Dortmund in there. I think we'll talk about them a bit more later, obviously, as our, our main game. But I think Dortmund are a funny team. We will come on to them more specifically with the game. But I just think like they are a top four side. You know, they've not hit the strats, but they've still got five wins and two draws. So I think that says everything you really need to know about them. You know, they're a funny team, but they're one of those teams that have just got goals at all. That's one of their big advantages is that all of their players on their roster can score goals. So, I mean, they're never out of games. That's the thing. And the team comes in and out of form very, very drastically, but there's always someone that steps up and wins the game, you know, and that's their advantage, basically. And I think they will get top four. I wouldn't even say they're out of top two or even the title race yet by any means to be honest, Dortmund, yeah. because they can get a lot better than this and they're still winning games. And 
you know. And I would say probably four that I hate to say it, guys, but I don't want to sound boring, but it's going to be the the Rasenballsport Leipzig, yeah, Germany's favourite club. Despite their absolute horror show, by the way, this weekend, my God, like they're going to be having sleepless nights, two missed penalties in a nil-nil draw against beleaguered Bochum, yeah, who lost, who conceded 10 goals in the previous two games. So that's a horror result for them. But at the end of the day, they still are a very strong team. And as much as I wish uh, Stuttgart well, I think there will be eventually a drop-off in this kind of incredible form. Yeah, as, as Danny says in the comments, don't don't be uh, jinxing us just yet. So let's just... <laughs> Let's just put them aside, and you know yeah. we'll do we'll do what we do in the background. Um, Peter, just uh, are you disagreeing with anything that Mark's just said? I I, I wouldn't change that top four that Mark's alluded to. Well, I, the the top four the Germans won obviously has Fallenfisch uh, got in it uh, rather than Rosenbachsport Leipzig. The problem, and we spoke about this uh, on the show a couple of weeks ago, Mark and I did, is that we have two continental championships in January. We have the Africa Cup of Nations and we have the uh, Asian Continental Championship, which means that Stuttgart are going to lose both uh, Grirasi and uh, Silas uh, to AFCON uh, and also uh, Hiroki Ito, uh, the the new uh, left-back, or to... <coughs> um, to uh, the Japanese uh, uh, national team, most likely, uh, along with Wu Yong Zhong, who is just who is still at the. They did win the Asian Games. Uh, they the South Korean it. Was, yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so Stuttgart are going to lose a lot of players in January, and uh, and that we have to to take into account. Um, and and we'll get to Dortmund now, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the question, Travis, and glad to just. Still enjoying the show. Uh, yes, first most entertaining games, the, the battle of the VAR decisions, uh, which ended up being 4-2 to uh, Borussia Dortmund against uh, beleaguered and struggling uh, Union Berlin, uh, who at least allowed Bonucci to smash the penalty home, um, which was rather uh, a shock to see on the scoreline. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, lots of interesting uh, moments, particularly in the first half. Found it incredibly exciting and hard to keep up with at one stage. Of course, Dortmund going ahead uh, through uh, Nicolas Fulkrug, getting two on the bounce. So positives around that, at least for, for Dortmund. Um, you know, well finished after, uh, well, being in the right place at the right time, I guess. But that's a, a good skill to have. For full Krug, uh, but then the game. Uh, this is where I probably lose all sense of time and goals scored and not counting and things um, being disallowed. Uh, so there were, I think, a spell of what three disallowed goals in a row. So Union were level, and then it was disallowed. And then Dortmund scored, and then it was disallowed. And then Union scored after that. I, I might have got that order wrong, actually. But um, anyway, Mark, you can maybe make more sense of it all. Um, after um, Goosen's had a deflected effort off full crew that went in from, from a corner to make it 1-1 officially. Uh, and then Bonucci um, put in the, the penalty away to make it 2-1. I mean, what are your thoughts, first of all, on the first half and, and the kind of crazy nature of this match, particularly from a VAR point of view? 
Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, when I when I was watching the highlights of this game, I was like, why was that Kral goal disallowed? Like, it just simply didn't look offside to me, to be honest with you. Like, mm. I think it was Hummels had his hand, like, way out. I was like, surely that, like, in this day and age when goals are getting disallowed for nothing, you know, surely that's got to be onside. But, I mean, there's some, you know, nowadays there's so many little rules. They've overcomplicated the offside rules so much that nobody even knows the rules anymore. So, you know, it, it was an absolute signal for Union because to me, when I saw that, I was like, that's a goal. It's clearly a goal, you know. And then obviously just a few minutes later, BBB, would, which would have been a really scrappy goal, by the way. I mean, it was a long loop free kicking and Union's modern defending, you know, which is just basically a car crash, unfortunately, nowadays. Uh, since Bonucci went into the team, he was meant to make them a world-class defensive outfit and it's basically fallen apart. But <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that one was ruled out for an even... Well, also a close offside, but for me, that was more offside than the other goal, basically, uh, than the Union one. But yeah, I mean, the penalty, which again, initially, when it was first given, you were like, really, is that a foul? But I think it was, once again, almost, by the way, for the second week in a row, giving away a penalty, you know. I mean, I know Germans love him, but for me, he's, he's a little bit overrated nowadays. I really do believe that. Like, he's such a clumsy defender sometimes. And once again, went flying into Becker and just took him out. And it was a clear penalty with the VAR, which probably the only good thing Bonucci's done in two months at Union Berlin. He took the penalty away nicely and celebrated like he just won the Euros again uh, after that yeah. goal he scored against England in the final too. But yeah, I mean, it was all good for Union. They were the better, uh, not necessarily the better team, but they played a good first half, a really good first half. But then seeing the second half, I mean, it's not, not enough closing down, which is something that you just can't accuse Union of, usually. And Schlotterbeck hits an amazing strike. Like That's what I was saying about Dortmund, that they've got pretty much every player in that roster can score goals. I mean, how many teams can have the centre-half smashing a strike in like that from 30 metres out? But, I mean, should Renner have saved it? For me, probably yes, actually, I think. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm sometimes a bit hard on keepers, but I always think when you get such a big hand on it, then you should be able to like push it that little bit further over or away. And I think when you saw the replay, it was an amazing strike, but it wasn't the most difficult angle for the goalkeeper. It was within his reach and he just kind of got like a half hand on it and palmed it into the underside of the woodwork and into the back of the net. It was still a great strike from Schlotterbeck, don't get me wrong, but what, what do you think, Peter? Do you think he should have saved it or am I being a bit harsh there? Um. No, you're probably right. He probably should have saved it. I mean, it was it was a great strike from Schlotterbeck. It reminded me of that one he hit in uh, in the Schalke match last spring. That was yeah. that was good, that that draw. That that really was. Um, you know, I <clears throat> as as a German, uh, I never really bought into the whole Borussia Dortmund uh, crisis uh, thing. I think we. Um, I remember when we were. Uh, the three of us were getting together after the season, we were discussing the collapse of Dortmund and we were talking about what kind of future do Dortmund have under Aiden Terzic uh, with Jude Bellingham obviously going away. And um, it was my contention then, it was my contention now that they have an extremely bright future under him. He is absolutely the right man for the job. He's a local boy. Uh, and he also pulled off a, a, a wonderful tactical masterclass uh, this week. Uh, there was uh, what he did was at the half, uh, he took off uh, Jamie Bino Gittens uh, for Julian Brandt and then uh, slid Emre Khan, uh, his anointed captain, who's been struggling, who was left off of Julian Nagelsmann's uh, national team. And Hummels has been recalled. 
So, uh, and Schlotterbeck has been left behind. <laughs> now, every, everything that's going on with the German national team is revolving around Dortmund right now. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's uh, insane. But um, so he had this, uh, there was a, it was a, a beautiful constellation. Uh, I guess you could call it sort of like a three, two, one, two, two. Or so. I mean, so he, he had Kahn back on an inverted pivot. Schlotterbeck left, Hummels right. Marius Wolf and Julian Rioson were advanced uh, as wingbacks. Royce all alone in midfield, but above the halfway line. Nemecha, Brandt, and this wonderful double strike uh, striker access of Daniel Malen and Niklas Fürkrug that he that Terzic often switches to late in matches. And it's really, really effective, the two of them working together up front. And uh, the, the, the real treat, I mean, this was another tactician's delight this match was, what a freaking counter goal that was after Schlotterbeck's. Mm. Uh, that was incredible. That is a textbook. That is how you run a counter. Uh, and and it was just, it was beautiful in every last respect. I mean, Royce was, uh, you know, he took the ball. He took some intelligent touches. He surveyed that. Uh, both um, Malen and Fulkrug, they selected their lanes. They drew the coverage. And then he had Brandt wide open. And, of course, Brandt's going uh, to finish like that. So, I mean, this was, we talked about Hernes and how he's, he's making all the right moves. I think Terzic is, is doing the same thing. And, uh, you know, this was, okay, when you're playing against Union at this moment in time, things are not doing, uh, going all that well for the team that has now lost seven straight on the bounce. Uh, they're missing their captain, Ronnie Kadira. To have Julian Rioson, the ex-Union guy, uh, Union guy shoot in the 4-2 off of Robin Gosens, <laughs> the man who they signed to eventually replace him. I mean, that's just like, you know, uh, uh, what the hell? It, it, the, the, it's, you, you looked at Oz Fisher's face, and it was it, you couldn't have – it looked like he got hit with a frying pan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was insane. But I, I really – I like what Dortmund are doing. I like Tezic. And, and look, you've got uh, – Hummels, I think, deserves his recall to the national team at this point. Uh, uh, Royce is, is is really, really doing well. Uh, Fulkrug, Maland, that sort of thing. It's, I, I think that they're really good. I think that they're they're getting things together. And it was also the right move from Nagelsmann to leave Emre Khan behind this time so <clears> he can focus on the work with his club. And and uh, he brought up Robert Andrich, who's not even starting for Leverkusen, <laughs> instead. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's. I, I really, really like this match. It was a great football match. Uh, it was my favorite of the weekend, and um, you know, I, I didn't even cover some of the, the. Okay, those two disallowed goals. That was annoying. That was annoying as hell. That they had to reboot the the VAR system in the Kona Keller because the lines weren't calibrated properly. I thought I was watching an American football match for a second. There. I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> Are you gonna, uh, gonna give me an official commercial timeout? Am I gonna see like a Dortmund City skyline with the Budweiser logo coming on here and thing? <laughs> but uh, yeah, but it was a great match. Absolutely great match. Did you, did you see? Did you guys see the Union fans at the end singing "Always Look on the Bright Side of Life"? Too, I thought that was superb. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a video of that, yeah, on uh, on social media, and the Union fans jumping up and down singing "Always Look on the Bright Side of Life." I thought that was superb. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's great to see. Um, smashing. So we'll just fly through the best of the rest in time to make sure that we have a proper kiosk club going into the international break. 
Um, so, you know, headlines to say from the other matches, another huge win for Darmstadt, going away to Augsburg and winning. Um, you know, we've often, um, me and Mark have, you know, gone on about Augsburg the year upon year about how they just know how to win these sort of matches, especially at home and, you know, amazing result uh, for Darmstadt to go two in a row and, you know, newly promoted sides are doing themselves absolutely, you know, proud and uh, smashing to see uh, after a first couple of tricky games for them both. So really settling in nicely into Bundesliga life. Um, Mark's already alluded to an absolute stinker of a game for RB Leipzig, missing two penalties and a home draw with Balkan, a very welcome point to the away side and an absolute fancy killer. Uh, for those of you who swapped out Girassi for a pender, which I did, and I regretted it massively, uh, missing out on the hat trick points. Um, so yeah, that was that was terrible for all you fantasy players out there. Um, then the Sunday games uh, all went to well, all went to plan for for those home sides, didn't they? Three 0 run out for Leverkusen. Man, they looked so good. That first goal was just so slick and smooth. Uh, Hoffman finishing it off. Um, the the wing-back play, Grimaldo to Frimpong, easy as you like. Uh, Leverkusen looks smashing. FC Köln looking in an absolute heap of trouble. Bayern 3-0 runner, uh, winners uh, at home to Freiburg. Um, I think Christian Strike uh, was interviewed and interviewed in English at the end of the game saying we'll, have, we'll need a lot of character and fight this season. So summing things up, not so great for the away side running into Bayern, uh, who go marching on. And an important win for Frankfurt at home to Heidenheim finally cut loose and actually looked okay, I thought, um, mm. in spells. Me and Mark were kind of uh, having a little bit of a laugh uh, in regards to their striking options at, at the moment, obviously kind of based off the Ngankam horror penalty. Um, nothing against him, but when you look at obviously the options up front that Frankfurt used to have and what they now have, of course, they are struggling. But, you know, important win. Um, good goal for Knauf to finish off as well. Um, and yeah, so a good, good win for Frankfurt in that sense. Uh, so we'll have, yeah, we'll still have a good uh five minutes or so, or however long Peter now needs to go through his kiosk club of headlines, uh, from the German newspapers and broadsheets. So, Peter, we shall hand over to yourself. Well, thank you very much. Um, you uh, mentioned earlier that uh, we are running out of words to describe Serhu uh, Garasi, and that was the case in the Sportbild. All that they can do is say, Genie, Genie. Uh, can't probably see this, or those who are listening on a podcast can't see, but merci, merci, merci. Why not? We'll do that for Serhu Garasi. Um, in terms of the uh, other headlines, well, we have um, the Alpha Killer Riemann. It should be noted that in this uh, uh, <coughs> Leipzig-Bochum match, Manuel Riemann actually did save two penalties. So they're going to call him the Alpha, kill, uh, Alpha Killer. Alpha being Elfmeter in German, or uh, 11 meters. That's uh, how long it is from the penalty spot. In fairness, those were uh, kind of... <clears throat> soft penalties from Charlie Simmons and Emil Forsberg. They weren't all that hard to save. Uh, the kicker is leading us into the international break with Rudy Villa uh, explaining our Tante Keita. Uh, Mark and I often joke that, um, okay, Rudy Villa is, is Tante Keita or Auntie Kate uh, based on his curls. 
He's one of our uh, <laughs> every German has a Kate, just like every Englishman has an Uncle Dave for some reason. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Tante Keda is uh, is speaking, and uh, he's look. We're under serious pressure now. Things could not be going worse for German football. Our U twenty ones are not good. Our women are not doing well. <laughs> We've just made a coaching change. Everything is in disarray. We need big wins in the United States. We need them big. Um, Gladbach uh, got the fallen feeling. Uh, they're getting there. The the foals are, are feeling it, and hopefully that is the case. Uh, I wanted so, so very badly that there were some uh, headlines about Darmstadt. The big uh, <clears throat> news, of course, is that Enrico Maasen is probably about to get sacked after the, the Augsburg loss. Um, there were no headlines about Darmstadt, but I wanted to mention uh, that Darmstadt beat Augsburg with Augsburg having both Philipp Tietz uh, and uh, Patrick Pfeiffer in the 11. Two, they're two best players that they stole from them this summer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they beat them anyway. Um, if you want to tune in, it's a little backdated, but on last week's show, Rory is sporting his SV Darmstadt 98 Trikot, which he got from Bundesliga boxes. And it's worth clicking on that just to see Rory flying the colors of the lilies had to be done thank you so much peter uh everyone loves the kiosk club as voiced there by danny and so many others so fantastic to end on a lovely note uh in that sense so that will do us for this week uh unfortunately now leading into the international break so of course yeah no uh no predictions no fantasy this particular week but we will be back what a week Thursday for predictions and then fantasy football as well. Um, looking forward to being back and uh, well, absorbing more enjoyable Bundesliga footy for match week eight. So, Mark, over to yourself to finish up things for this evening. Yeah, definitely, guys. And in, in this difficult two week break, I hope you all get through it okay. And obviously, the German fans get at least something to celebrate anyway. Uh, yeah, remember to check out our Twitter, Out Over the Bar FB, and Out Over the Bar Extra. Don't forget to check mine and Peter's vlogs as well. We've done, I think, three for you now, and hopefully, we'll have the next one coming before too long. The latest one was Hoffenheim versus Dortmund, and we've also got Kaiserslautern Nuremberg, and also. Uh, the German women's uh, national team versus Zambia, which also ended up in a defeat for Germany, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, um, yeah, enjoy your uh, week, weeks, guys, without Bundesliga action. And we look forward to seeing you again for the build-up to match day eight in about 10 days' time. So yeah, enjoy your time and let's hope Germany get a couple of wins on the board for Peter anyway. Yeah, so see you there, guys. Bye-bye. Cheers, all.